Killer Mike did an interview with the NRA TV. Um, as we know, the NRA, this is a gun lobbying group. They do a lot of uh, political lobbying to ensure that um, guns and rifles, their interest is in guns and rifles. Um, so the more profit that that industry makes, the better off uh, the NRA will be. Um, the NRA has, has been in America for, for decades upon decades, um, you know, defending gun rights, as they say. Um, so Killer Mike did a interview with the NRA and the NRA, as you can imagine, is a pretty um, divisive group politically um, because of what they stand for. You have people who are completely against weapons uh, and the militarization, uh, you know, in the United States. And you have people that are for, you know, very pro Second Amendment. So um, it's a very politically divisive topic. And Killer Mike did an interview. He did an interview with this group. Um, so some people were turned off because they say, oh, Killer Mike, how'd you, how could you go and be a puppet? You're being used by the NRA. Um, they have never been interested in the black calls for guns before. So why are you um, offering them your platform now? Because the NRA has, has a platform, but Killer Mike also has a platform. You know, he, he's a very uh, you know, talented, uh, renowned uh, artist. Um, he's in a group with uh, LP, Run the Jewels. He's a very talented solo artist, very decorated solo artist, especially his mixtapes, Bang Times 3, etc., etc. So why give the NRA this platform? Now, Killer Mikey actually had a lot of good things um, to say in that NRA TV interview. And overall, the NRA TV um, interview with Killer Mike, the full interview, I thought it started off well, but you know, the last 10 or 15 minutes or so, things kind of started to go, you know, haywire. And um, I can't really get behind this this interview, but at first, um, you know, watching the NRA uh, uh, TV interview with Killer Mike, the full interview, the, the 40 plus minute version, um, I was surprised in the beginning that now, the NRA was allowing uh, these two African-American men to to speak so freely um, you know, on this topic. You don't really hear the African-American male voice uh, backed uh, really by inst any institution um, unless the black male is also associated with some other type of group, um, uh, you know, be it the LGBT community, uh, be it, you know, pro-Republican, et cetera, et cetera. Um, outside of those situations, you don't really hear the black male, uh, as they say, barbershop voice represented. Um, so I was really surprised at the platform and, you know, the capacity and, you know, the, the length at which the NRA TV was allowing these two men to speak, um, you know, and also to be able to put that out and not edit it. But towards the end, you know, when they started talking about, you know, the Parkland students, uh, you know, certain certain comments I, I just couldn't get behind. Um, a lot a lot of the comments actually I couldn't get behind, and um, you know I, I had to you know, cut it off. At that, well, I didn't cut it off, but you know mentally I kind of disengaged. You know, but I did enjoy you know a good 75, 80 percent of it. I think it's imperative, and let me fix my mic because I want to be extremely clear when I say this. Let me put the mic closer. I think it's imperative um, that black Americans, all black Americans, um, and not just black Americans by the term uh, meaning you, 
were considered, you know, a Negro, your 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 grandparents and great grandparents participated in civil rights. I also mean people of African descent. Everyone in the African diaspora, you're in America, you need to realize just do some political, you know, studies. Do some political research and realize what the US government has done to our leaders, has done to our communities. When you look at the, you know, the black African uh diaspora african-american community in the united states and i struggle to even come to a term what to call us really we're prisoners of war really so this is you know with that label alone that's reason enough not to give up your um second amendment second amendment right to bear arms right but before i get to that point i, I just want everyone to understand that the second amendment especially for african-americans you know as you look at our communities in compton california and harlem new york um in Detroit, Michigan, you look at our communities and what happens to them when they become gentrified or when they become abandoned, we are constantly moved and displaced economically across the country, putting us in potentially dangerous, fatal situations. And this is something that happens, uh, you know, you know, like clockwork, you know, gentrification. We grow up in a certain neighborhood. How many African-American individuals out here can attest you grew up in a certain neighborhood in a city probably an inner city probably somewhere in la new york uh you know etc etc 10 15 years goes by you know you you grow up there elementary school junior high school high school you got you come back in your 20s everything has changed you know how many people can can attest to that you know i can attest to it i'm in culver city right now i grew up in inglewood california and you know, there are certain times where I'm driving by my old street and I don't even recognize it, you know, because everything's different. The shops are different. The people are different. The makeup of, of the street, everything is different, you know, and, and that's a, you know, byproduct of gentrification. So knowing that, you know, knowing that we are constantly displaced and moved around and, and we're nomads, basically, why would we, why would we rally around a movement that is encouraging us to disarm? Yeah. It, it's so counterproductive um, and so potentially fatal. And I'm so glad that Killer Mike, Killer Mike pointed this out. You just gotta understand. And I understand that, you know, we wanna get behind the progressive movement, uh, the liberal movement. They, they speak to the African-American community more so than the conservative or Republican movement. But you, you gotta think, when, when we have people rallying for gun control and you know, I just always go back to what is this trying to accomplish? We're trying to stop the total number of mass shootings in the United States, right? We're trying to decrease the number, the total number of mass shootings in the United States. Um, so the solutions, some of the solutions that uh, the progressive movement and others have, uh, you know, came up with, you know, revolve around gun control. Okay, but number one, you can't talk about gun control in the United States without mentioning the military industrial complex. We are the number one weapons producer in the world, in the world by far with the largest military budget by far. So how can we talk about gun control, controlling guns when our country is littered with guns? Because that's how we make our money. And, the, and, you know, and, you know, this all ties into military interventions, uh, foreign military intervention, military coups. All this ties into, into each other. So I don't see how we can talk about gun control without first mentioning the military-industrial complex. If you're doing one without the other, it's, 
it's almost political hogwash. You know, you're, you're speaking in double talk almost. So uh, any type of solution, gun control solution that doesn't address the military industrial complex, to me, it's, it's hard to find it valid. So what do they say? Uh, when they talk about gun control, they say we want to stop criminals. We want to increase background checks to prevent criminals um, from getting guns. And we want to prevent the mentally ill from getting guns. Okay, so we're trying to stop the total number of mass shootings, correct? So I would go back and say, let's look at up the most recent mass shootings. How many have been perpetrated by people with a criminal history? Many of them, when you look at the mass shootings, what do they always say? Oh, this is a lone wolf. You know, we, we would have never expected him to do this. It's usually the typical, um, uh, you know, white male who, who number one, the gun was purchased legally. This is a legal gun, okay? And two, even if there was a criminal background check, they would have passed the background check. So I don't see how increasing background checks on criminals is going to stop the total number of mass shootings um, like we saw in Parkland. Uh, like we saw in Vegas, um, like we saw in San Bernardino. I don't see how that's going to stop anything. Um, but, you know, let, let, let's entertain it. Now, the second thing they say is uh, let's, let's uh, prevent people with mental illnesses, you know, with a mental history um, from getting guns. And you've got to ask yourself, whose kids in school are most misdiagnosed with ADHD? I can't talk today. Whose kids are most misdiagnosed with ADHD in school? It's black kids. Whose kids are most put in special ed when they don't even need to be in special ed? It's black kids. So you're really setting yourself up in a situation in a community that's constantly moved and displaced. Now you're going to say, okay, we're going to take the guns from you. We're going to gun control ourselves. It's kind of like what we did in the 90s with the crime bill. When we got, when, when our, our leaders, our Congressional Black Caucus, our NAACP, everyone supported this crime bill to crack down on drugs. And now in 2018, we're crying about how unfair the, gun, the, uh, the drug laws are when we voted for, you know, th these propositions. So it's the same type of thing. And it's, it's, like, it's like people don't think. Um, so I would say, yes, we do have a gun issue in this in this country. Will increasing background checks for mentally ill, which are mostly going to affect disproportionately black people, is that going to solve it? No, black people aren't the ones doing these mass shootings. That is that has got everyone in this sense of fear. Is increasing background checks on criminals going to do it? I don't know. A lot of these mass shooters had no criminal history. And third most banning a, a, a product that's in demand with a high supply will create a black market. That's simple economics. So what are we really talking about here? Interview. And overall, the NRA TV um, interview with Killer Mike, the full interview, I thought it started off well, but, you know, the last 10 or 15 minutes or so, things kind of started to...